podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Willie. I'm Nick. <laughs> Today, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been watching. We're going to go into some film news, and then we're going to review Derek C. and France's The Place Beyond the Pines. Say that like seven times fast. but um, And then we might get into some film, uh, well, film news. Food for Thought, brought to us by Willie, or... Nick or myself, depending on uh, what ends up happening. Yeah, I'm going to apologize for my my audio <laughs> on this episode because I'm really sick right now. So <laughs> so if you hear any rumbling in the microphone... It's probably me blowing my nose or wiping my nose. Probably. <laughs> um, just try not to do it when in the middle of someone's thoughts. You got it. <laughs> okay. If you hear a Craig thud, Ferguson. it's probably my, my dead body falling out of the chair. <laughs> because that's how I feel right now. All right. Um, right off the top, I'm just going to say, uh, if you haven't subscribed to us on iTunes and somehow you're listening to us, go do that. Uh, give us a rating and a review if you can. It would help us out a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you can send any feedback or food for thought questions or your thoughts on any movies or whatever at, uh, to feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. And uh, I think that's all I have for notes at the top. So we're going to move right into what we've been watching. Willie. What have you been watching? Um, I, I, I've been continuing my kind of going back to movies of the past that I enjoy watching. Yeah. And um, I decided to bust out a couple childhood favorites. Okay. Um, I watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Again, nice. Um, during the midst of all this. The 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 original. From 1990. Yes. Yep. Um, in the midst of all this ruckus about the, the reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of interesting to go back and see where it, not where it all started, but where the, the movies started. Yeah. Um, still a great movie, still holds up somehow. I th- honestly think they could do the same, um, essentially the same practical turtle suits and I would buy it just the same. I honestly yeah. think they still look good. Um, yeah. so yeah, they I, do. Was they Henson, do. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was Henson. That shit stands the test of time. I don't see, I, I would, I would prefer them to do practical as practical as mo- as possible, and then you know, kind of work with the facial movements via CG because that's the only thing that looks a little wonky yeah. in the old ones is the mouth kind of just flaps around. Yeah, real animatronic yeah. looking. Yep. But. So that that I love that movie, and it was really cool to watch it again for like the billionth time. <laughs> <laughs> um, beyond that, I watched um, Neverending Story. Yeah, excellent. Great movie. Still, the doesn't. The special effects don't quite hold up like no. Mitch Turtles do, but um, it's a lot more of a fantasy. That it's still just it's. I don't know if kids today, if they watched it right now, like if if I had kids and they were watching it, I don't know if they would appreciate it the way I do, because I think that part of that with that movie is kind of a retro thing. Yeah. Um, because I grew up with it, I don't think that kids today would be nuts about it, but I don't know. So, I that is a movie that I would actually be okay with a, with some sort of remake or. I'll tell so you, as a 22-year-old, I appreciated it a lot. My first viewing. See, so that's good. I mean, I, and and maybe there maybe there's something to be said for that. So, um, I watched that. That was you know that was a lot of fun too. I hadn't seen it in a long time, so it was yeah. really cool. Um, and then I watched uh, Masters of the Universe. That was the third one in my weird little marathon. I have never <laughs> seen Masters of the Universe. Um, it's it's something else. Um, <laughs> fun movie. no, you know it's it's weird because it kind of has this weird. It fits strangely in between those two movies because it kind of has all like the eighties, eight you know late eighties early nineties fantasy kids movie vibe yeah. like Neverending Story, Dark Crystal, all those. But then it also has the comic booky you know like superhero vibe too. So 
it's a fun movie, honestly. Like, and for as much crap as it gets, it's actually. If somebody was like, if their assignment in film school was to make an adaptation of He-Man, the cartoon, this would be the winner of that like competition among okay. students because you really can't make a better He-Man movie than what they made. <laughs> I don't think it is really sweet. Yeah, it's very cool, and I actually they kind of bring in some weird sci-fi elements to it that <laughs> laser pistols. Yeah, it's awesome. But you know what? Like, if you're making a He-Man movie, just go for it. Just have fun with it. And they did. They totally did. I love the shots of Skeletor's like. Um, you know, uh, troops walking like in front of him, like through a portal down like Main Street, and yeah. then he's like floating on a chair. It's it's pretty awesome. Everything <laughs> with Skeletor is amazing. Yeah, anytime Langella. The origination of our fascination with Frank Langella. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I, you know, I think one of the reasons why I like uh, Langella's performance in that movie so much is because he has been noted as saying that that's like one of his, if not his favorite, of his own roles. I mean, we're talking about a man who has made some really, really good movies and and had some really great performances throughout decade, through decades of work. And yeah. and what's the one that he really, really... I mean, it's great. Like, good for him. That just shows me what kind of guy he is. He so. probably just had the most fun with that one. Well, and he like, said he did it for his kid, I think. Okay. You know, his, you know he had gotten the script, and this happens a lot from, from what I understand. He got, his, got the script, and... He mentioned in passing the the movie to his kid, and his kid was like, "Do it." So yeah, as as happens so many times in Hollywood, it, it and does, and it, usually it actually works out halfway decent. Yeah. So everybody in Harry Potter was like, "Yeah, my niece or my son or my said daughter. I have to take this role." Yeah. So yeah, uh, let that be a note to actors: if your kids are like, "You should take this role," you probably should take this role. <laughs> probably. Yeah. So. All right, Nick, what have you been watching? I have been watching Dread. Yeah. Finally. Um, You've been witnessing Dread? I've been witnessing the events of Dread unfolding. Uh, It was good. I wish I had actually seen it on proper Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, But it was was cool. It was very... I like the relative low-budge kind of feel of it. Um... I don't know how you can like Dread and not like the movie Soldier, but because they're pretty much the same movie. <laughs> uh, I'm curious to see. Oh crap! What's it called? The Raid. Because everybody said that they were like the same movie. Yeah. And well, the premise is similar, right? Yeah. I'm curious to see how they. Because I haven't seen the Raid yet. Either. They're very different though. Stack up against each other. Um, it was cool. I liked. I liked the the clever the script writing with uh, the drug and everything, allowing for. Overuse of slow motion was neat. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alex Garland is a good writer. I think I've enjoyed every movie I've seen that he's written, uh, if not loved, because he wrote Sunshine. Um, oh my god, so good! Yeah, and uh, Twenty Days Later. Oh my god, so good! Both um, Danny Bo- Danny Boyle flicks. Yes, he does. He wrote. I think he wrote it in the Beach too. Like, I think he did. Write I think the he wrote beach. the novel, maybe. The yeah. Beach. Anyway. Um, so yeah, it was good. It was fun to watch. I'm I'm disappointed that it's not going to get a sequel because I would I would see it if they got a little bit more money. It would have been cool to see what they could have done. Yeah, it made me want to go seek out the comics though. So I guess that was yeah, it, absolutely. Was like huge... It made me want to be Judge Dredd. We've <laughs> talked about this before. We're like like the best. I think Alex, you said this after we saw Iron Man two way back when. You oh, said yeah. the the superhero. When I guess Dredd is a superhero. I mean, he, essentially, the superhero movies that are that are the highest quality of the ones where I walk out of the theater going, I wish I was this superhero. That, that was my meter stick for, like, back in the days of X-Men mm-hmm. and, you know, sure. all but those. But it's a, it's, a, it's a solid, I mean, that's a pretty, yeah, yeah, I totally agree with it. So, 
I I totally walked out going, I want to be dread. I want that gun that has awesome different bullets and stuff. <laughs> that I can shoot. Very cool. cool. Very cool. Yeah, it, it was cool. I also watched Insidious from James Wan. Uh, Starring Patrick Wilson. Yes. Roseburn. Yep. And the old lady from Kingpin. <laughs> <laughs> and Snakes on a Plane. Uh, it was fine. Whatever. It wasn't good, but it was whatever. I watched it. <laughs> I really have... I have no strong feelings one way or the other. It's, it's. I will say about Insidious real quick that being a horror movie fan and, and feeling like we're kind of in like a really crappy spot for horror movies in the last few years in general, mm-hmm. um, it was pretty solid for what it was. It was okay. I mean, it had it had some cool visual stuff like the the whole dream world or whatever that he enters. It looked pretty neat. It was fun to watch. It didn't scare me once, but no. It uh, Darth it Maul fine. at the end was kind of strange. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> very strange. Strange, strange CGI. Darth Maul's in it. Uh, lastly, but not least, most importantly, yes, I watched Francis Lawrence's Constantine, <laughs> a movie which I have a very long and storied relationship with. Um, and I regret very much to say that after this viewing of Constantine, I rather enjoyed it. <laughs> I think this was the one <laughs> that it took. This one's for you, Francis Lawrence. I don't I... think I like Francis Lawrence still, but. <laughs> I know that I don't because of <laughs> I Am Legend, but Constantine. I, it was I think part of it might have been that I watched it with you, Alex. So like having a a true believer there, helps. having a buffer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it was it was fun to watch. If I'd been watching it by myself, I I might have liked it more this time too. Because now the last time I rewatched it was probably it was probably around two years ago. Yeah, it if. was it was around the time that I entered in your life and professed my love for Constantine. For Constantine, you were like I, like, I guess I'll give it another watch, and then you're like. Yeah, I think also, also I just have I have a better appreciation now for looking into like production value and and cool stuff like that. There was a lot more I noticed this time for sure in terms of how the movie looked and everything. And the Blu-ray transfer was really good. I mean that helped. Yeah, I said in like the opening scene. I mean the Blu-ray looks really good. The only issue that I had with the Blu-ray transfer is that it made some of the smoke effects look bad, um, particularly when they were like leaving hell. You know, yeah. And, and Keanu sitting in the chair smoking. It looks you can see it feels really fake, but that's kind of a unfortunate side effect of HD yeah it's peeling back all the layers and yeah like if you watch Lord of the Rings on Blu-ray now that's so good a lot of the CG doesn't look that very sucks. good yeah um, I mean you're still cool because like, you're like whatever it's a great movie yeah but no it was um it's I know it's I read a lot of really 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 re- good reviews for or not reviews but comments from fans on IMDb about it and someone basically just summed it up the best they're like it's an absolutely god awful adaptation of Hellblazer, but it's a pretty cool movie. Yeah, and they're like if you as as a comic adaptation, it's the worst we've ever seen. But as its own movie, it's kind of fun to watch. Yeah, and I should say I have no prior connection to the Hellblazer Mine is very comic minimal. series, so it's I had no <laughs> disappointments when Constantine wasn't blonde and he didn't look like Sting. And beyond English. that, I know nothing about Constantine, so. Yeah, it was fine. It it had a lot of it has a lot of cool, very comic booky shots in it. Yeah, like it's shot very much. It reminds me of the way part of the reason I love Thor so much is because it looks like a comic book almost mm-hmm. the whole time. And so watching this movie, I was like, oh, that's a cool shot. Oh, that's a cool shot. Yeah. And um, you know, there's a weird Keanu is like, he's good, but sometimes he just just like trying super hard. I think he's gonna crap his pants because no, he's just see, exerting so much effort. It's funny because I was thinking about it today. I was like, I feel like he's not trying hard enough and it almost gives him this like large sarcastic wit to every single line that he delivers and I love that about that like 
I feel like that embodies how Constantine would act towards any... Like, the Constantine that he created doesn't care about anybody else That's un- the way he is, until the end much. of the movie. But just the way that he delivers every line, he's just... I don't know. He's got this droll about every single line that he puts out. Yeah, just... I feel the opposite way about all of his sarcasm. I was like, this is just falling flat every time. <laughs> I feel like he's trying to be, like, Nathan Fillion or Harrison Ford kind of flippant with everything, just kind of like whatever but he just comes off as i don't know just monotonous keanu most of the movie there's some sometimes occasional there's a few lines where he really gets it and i was like oh that's good and there's somewhere i'm like he could have used a few more takes probably he just very a lot of it is just so deadpan it isn't exciting to watch we can agree to disagree which is weird <laughs> which is weird because i know he could do it that's what makes it strange a lot of the performance is very inconsistent but he is he is fun to watch in, in the movie i'll give it to him it gets better. Maybe as the movie goes on, maybe I just get more used to it, or he does get better. It seemed like later in the movie, I was like, he's starting to get it. And earlier, I was kind of like, hmm. I guess we have to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Anything else? No. Okay. That concludes our Constantine I, review. I the list on <laughs> Guys. Letter look, grades? Letter grades? Look for a full uh, full episode review of a Constantine. A retro review. <laughs> well, we one other quick comment. After it was over, I remember us saying this was a weird transitionary period for comic book movies. This yeah. is when they started to get like really, when they really started to become their own thing and become less of a oh look, there's an X Men movie now. And uh, I think that that's that's something to say. It was caught at the. It came out the same year as Batman Begins, which is three years prior to Iron Man, and I think we can agree that, like, for the major two comic book like companies, those are kind of the initial film in both of the series oh, yeah. that, like, really elevated that to its own genre. Yeah, yeah. legitimized the the comic book genre. And Constantine was a weird choice to pull out that early. Absolutely, because it's Constantine certainly isn't a household name, mm-hmm. so. Uh, but but I you know the movie you get out of it of like and thinking about the fact that it came out in 2005 it's like it's actually it's awesome that they took the risk with Constantine and like I said Hellboy the yep. year before so and and I think they were uh, successful in making relevant films with you know s- some semblance of the the characters but obviously some people are just like yeah it's a horrible adaptation which I cannot speak to so um. I watched Before Sunrise, which is the first of, I guess, Richard Linklater's <laughs> Before trilogy. <laughs> um, uh, I've heard nothing but good things, and, and, and Before Midnight, which is going to be out at some point this year, uh, people have basically been saying exactly what they said about the middle movie in the series, which is Before Sunset, that Richard Linklater should not have been able to make a sequel to this movie that is relevant in any way shape or form but somehow he pulls that off and that kind of made me want to take a look at before sunrise and um it's a very simple movie it's there's two characters and everybody else is just kind of like passing by and uh it's kind of like a a very it's two characters that barely know each other getting to know each other and kind of learning more about themselves through just like this one chance encounter that they have and uh i've richard linklater is a very interesting person to me because he makes such different movies you know uh, alec talked about bernie last week and and he's got a scanner darkly under his belt and um days confused days and confused and and all kinds of school of rock 
Mm-hmm. So he's very he's very he's almost Danny Boyle ish, and um, seeing Before Sunset, which came out in like nineteen ninety five, and it was probably yeah. uh, you know that's like right after Daisy and Confused and and uh, Slacker was a little bit before that. It was one of his bigger movies at the time, and and uh, it's just very interesting to see. Like I was thinking this whole time, I was like, this movie wouldn't be made today. Like it's. There's no Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. They weren't like marketable names at the time, as far as I know. Maybe Ethan Hawke was on his way up. And they really still aren't. Yeah, and they're still like nobody's like I'm gonna throw my dollar down to go see Ethan. Go Hawk. Catch that new Ethan Hawke flick. Yeah, exactly. Like so, <clears throat> it's not gonna be made because of the stars in it. It's not gonna be made because uh, it's not even. It's like not a romantic comedy, but it is. But it's not. So, it's just interesting that it got made back in uh, 1995, and, and it's... Uh... Oh, Explorers, yeah. Hmm? Explorers. Hmm. Ethan Hawke. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't hold that back. <laughs> but, anyway, um, I'm, I think I'll have more to say about it when I take a look at Before Sunset, and I can kind of talk about the two and how successful he is at making a sequel for a movie that's 10 years later and then he does it again with before midnight so hopefully i'll get to talk about that if it ever comes near us but Mm -hmm. wow they are they're all they're nine years apart yeah each yep i think i think he's trying to craft a really really well-rounded uh love story from beginning to end well yeah and it's it's kind of interesting because i talked to you willie about uh like the romantic comedies that i love and that Mm -hmm. you somewhat love and how like each of the ones that i really love have a very specific point in a relationship's like life yeah and this is like if one director wanted to make all of those movies this is what he's doing so it's it'll be very very interesting to come back and talk about it more when i when i've experienced the the second entry in the series so I haven't seen either of the first two, but the trailer for the new one looked really good. The yeah. first one's really good. I haven't seen the second one. Okay. So. I remember when the second one came out, that was the year I started working at the video store, and I was like fascinated. I was like, wow, this is interesting. Yeah. Same stars, same director, nine years later. Yeah. So. And now again. Yeah. And the new one looks good. It looks funny. I want to see it, and I haven't even seen the first two. Yeah, I, it, I caught it on Amazon Prime for free. So before sunset or before sunrise is out there on Amazon Prime for free. It's not. I don't think it's on anything else for free. And then before sunrise, uh, sunset is not. I, I don't. You have to like rent it from Amazon for like four dollars. So I'm probably gonna do that. But anyway, go check them out. Uh, hopefully, I'll get to talk about before sun, uh, before midnight. God, damn! You just cannot. I cannot keep them straight. Before sunlight. Yes, before sunlight and before mid-rise. And anyway, um, let's move into film news. So uh, I wanted to throw this one in here just to kind of get away from the casting news, which we have more of after this one. But uh, th- there's been a few recent articles out right now about the fact that projections for box office numbers for 3D films is going to drop this year. Uh, I remember writing a paper probably two or three years ago about uh, bringing 3D into film and and trying to liken it or at least compare it to the idea of bringing color into film back in the day. Uh, Obviously it was pretty early on because we've just recently had a 3D boom, but it doesn't seem to have made a significant dent. Uh, you don't hear people being like, oh yeah, I'm totally going to check that out in 3D, unless it's like something crazy, like, 
uh, Jurassic Park, for instance, the the latest Jurassic Park remaster that's out in IMAX is in 3D, but... Um, I think it's get... done better on the home video market. You think so? I, yeah, because I think that... I think that it looks better on Blu-ray. 3D Blu-rays look better than seeing a 3D movie in the theater. I honestly do. I mean, I... I I can't speak for everybody, but I think it's done better on the... We have, I mean, just working at a video store, there's so much interest in 3D Blu-rays right now. That's interesting. And there people really buy is. 3D TVs constantly. Yeah. So so maybe maybe people aren't necessarily going to spend their money to go see it in theaters because they don't want to spend $13, $14, $15 to go see the movie, but they do want to... Well, because, yeah, if you take the family, it's like 100 bucks by the time you buy tickets and get popcorn and... All that crap. It's yeah. It's an excursion. It's like going to a concert. Yeah. Just stupid. Yeah. And yeah. So I, I, I guess I never really thought about that. I think the interest is there. I just think it costs people too much. I think they did. And so maybe they did it right. Maybe I mean, 3D is very cheap to include on any TV. There's not. It's not crazy technology in any way, shape, or form. Even like active shutter compared to uh, passive. It's there's little to no difference it's just like the adding in of of a another chip or something on the board yeah essentially they'll all have 3d technology at some point they basically do at, at this, this point yeah, yeah. so it, i guess they invaded the home properly but it, it's very weird that something would be doing so well at home but not necessarily like it and that's the thing is that it doesn't even matter because people will go and movie studios are pushing these 3d conversions because it's purely a numbers equation. It's like we can put five hundred thousand dollars into this equation, and it's going to give us another five hundred. No, it's going to give us another ten, twenty, thirty million on opening day. True. Like that's that's what I despise about it most is that I'm, that's what Cabin in the Woods initially fell to because MGM yeah. was like, we have no money right now. Let's take the little money that we have and put it into this movie that we think is going to do well. Yeah. And we'll delay it a year and put it out. And that happened to G.I. Joe, although the, their production company didn't go out of business. The studio didn't go out of business in the middle of the release, but... I think we're seeing a transition in general, um, a weird transition of what's acceptable to... Or what's what's more successful on, on home video, because you, I've seen... I mean, I've, I've seen some movies come out that are straight to DVD that aren't schlocky horror movies or aren't featuring super B-list Tracy Lords and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, honestly, I've seen some, some bigger, some movies with some bigger actors that I'm like, this was, how is this not in theaters? Like, but I think studios are... Like, like Game of Death starring Wesley Snipes. Yeah, how is that not in theaters? <laughs> Am I right? Had the, I yeah, I mean, um, no, but I, so I think that, I don't know, I feel like they're going to have to kind of figure out if 3D is something that they want to continue pushing in theaters or if it's not worth it for them anymore. The thing is, if you... if you Would you post-convert a movie... After it's been released, after it's in, been theater? released in theaters? That's a very interesting question. What, what, do you, what do you think about that? Well, I think as long as it's as cheap as it is to post-convert, they won't stop doing it because people are always going to go see it and they'll be like, well... As long as we make back at least the money we put into it, and then we're still the option on home video, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna go away. I think that three D is here to stay. But whether or not it's, I don't think there's gonna be another Avatar until Avatar two. <laughs> and I actually mean that <laughs> people will, because 
if you talk to almost anybody that saw the the lay person who went and saw Avatar in the theater, they all are like, "Holy shit, it yeah. looked awesome!" And that's like the one weirdly. That's the way in which Avatar, I think, is actually comparable to Star Wars. Is like almost everybody who went to see it in the theater like had a good time at the movies, 3D or whatever. Everybody's like, "That was a fun movie." Like people just, it's weird. That's a weirdly widely liked movie. I saw I saw it in in, in theaters <laughs> at the time in 3D, and I remember walking out of the theater being like, "Wow, that was pretty insane." But the more I thought about it, I was like, "I've only seen it once, and it was on Blu-ray." And I was like, "That was." I'm completely satisfied with the time I spent watching that long ass movie. I didn't. I don't. I'm. I'm not gonna see it again anytime soon. Yeah. I never saw it in 3D though, so I can't say what the 3D was like. Yeah, neither did I. Ah. I. It, it's a lot. Of, I have the same comments about Tron in the sense where it just kind of added depth to the world, and I suppose that allowed a lot of a lot more people to buy into the. Sure, it can get a little more immersive. Yeah. I. But, I can't think of any movies that I've seen in 3D in the theater, and I've probably at this point seen like. 12 or something yeah 10 i really can't think of any where i was like hell yes i can think of a couple moments I did, in actually movies, i did but... really like overall i did really enjoy spider-man in 3d i think the one movie that really there's one moment in one movie that blew my mind and it was prometheus Prometheus was strong when the space and... debris was flying around no the, the the map the room yeah. oh yeah the map when when david's in the map room and he and it turns on I was like, Prometheus this... is good for 3D. I enjoyed that. For everything else, not so Spider-Man much. Spider-Man I liked, but it was small things. It wasn't ever like a web like in your face or yeah. anything. It was. I remember when the fire extinguishers all go off towards the end of the movie in like the third act. All the debris that was like an anti-flammable or whatever just floating in the air looked yeah. amazing in 3D. Anytime there's particle effects of any sort, it yeah. looks sweet in 3D. It was super sweet. Anytime anything else happens, I'm like, like eh. if the option to see To the Wonder in 3D was available, it would probably make my head implode. <laughs> Can you imagine what that would look like in 3D? <laughs> Can you imagine all the fanboy outcry of Terrence Malick selling out and doing a 3D film? <laughs> oh man, I would be... I would be. In, I would enjoy it probably. You're one of the few. <laughs> Tree of Life in 3D would have been insane with all the space scenes. Yeah. Oh my god, it would have been amazing. Yeah. This movie I, doesn't take place in space, so. With the dinosaurs. I would. I'd be down. I mean, we're going to see Jurassic Park in 3D. <laughs> yeah. Um, I. I, do... I think it's a really sweet mechanic, and when utilized properly. Yeah. TLDR. I think it has. <laughs> I think it has big potential. I don't think we've seen the full use of it yet. Even in Avatar. I, I think don't... it's it's a pretty much a genre thing, too, though. It's going to be relegated to the more... Like, there shouldn't be there shouldn't be comedies in 3D. There well, shouldn't yeah, be dramas. I'm, it should I'm always not, be sci-fi or horror. I'm or... not chomping at the bit for Norbit 3D or something. Before in... Midnight 3D? <laughs> well, <laughs> weird. No. Um, it, Hawk no, in 3D? You're... My Sister's Keeper 3D. <laughs> you're right. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> We'll see. I, it, it's interesting that the projections are down, but it's one of those things where, That's like you said... probably just the roster of movies this year. Maybe. There's probably just nothing... There's, what, The Hobbit at I'm the end sure of the year? I'm sure in 2015 it's going to be like, oh, 3D, you got Star Wars probably. and Avengers 2. Because and... Star Trek isn't in 3D, is it? I don't know. Iron Man 3, I don't think is. Iron Man 3 is in 3D. It is? For sure. For sure. Every, every Marvel movie from here on out is going to be in 3D. I mean... Iron Man might lend itself in ways. If it was shot in 3D, I'd be... Yeah, and I'd it be never will be. armor flying from off-screen 
going this way and assembling itself. Stop spoiling the movie. Could be sweet. <laughs> um, Star Trek is going to be in 3D. Is it? Okay. So, it, you know, it's, it's one of those things where nobody's... I don't know how many movies were even filmed in 3D this year, but... I think it's going to get to the point where basically if it's a triple-A title, like a big, big summer blockbuster movie... They're going to throw or that... Or it's a corny horror movie that might make a little extra money... That's where you'll see 3D. That's already where you're seeing it. Because there's always those people who are like animated films. Yep. There are always those people that are like, "Uh, yeah, I'm going out on this date. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I want to see this movie. Oh yeah. There's totally in 3D. Yeah. Let's get those tickets. It's gonna be sweet. Like you know that there's who are these people? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But you know that guy exists. That guy who doesn't even care about the fact whether or not movies are coming out in 3D, and he's just like. The person is of like, course. do you want to see that in 3D, or do you want to see it in, in 2D? And then the guy will be like, yeah, I want to see it in 3D. Give me the you 3D. Know. Yeah. All right. Uh, but <laughs> you know that guy's out there. I don't pay a lot of attention to people. <laughs> I like that guy. <laughs> that guy. All right. Um, so, back to yeah, our... Yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. Especially for the, whatever the next iteration in the Step Up series will be. Yeah. Step Up 5D to the streets, part two. <laughs> um, through the screen and then pay for it afterwards it's live theater <laughs> alright uh, back to our regularly scheduled casting news because there's nothing to talk about this week um, I have this marked down as Nolan alum casting news we have and I originally thought that these were both in one movie but they're not Morgan Freeman has joined Wally Fister's Transcendence and then Anne Hathaway has joined Christopher Nolan's Interstellar and Killian Murphy joined uh, Transcendence too. Did he? Just today, like right before we started recording. That's I awesome. Checked. It'd be funny if they took like the casts from his movies and just everybody that was in them is divided up between the two movies. Yeah. I, I'm really just expecting what if the movies are two Christopher universe? Nolan's. I'm just expecting two Christopher Nolan's movies to come out that year. Like it's not, it's not just one Christopher Nolan movie; it's two. <laughs> Let's be completely honest here. Yeah. So um, I'm excited. I'm I'm excited for McConaughey. I'm not excited for Depp. I wish Tom Hardy was in one of them because I'd I'd love to, I'd like to see him and Nolan. There's still time working together. Sure, I mean like in a lead, it'd be cool to see him take the reins of a Nolan movie. See what he can do. Yeah, I mean but it could Nolan work out like Jane's Bond. got a gun. We could have like total like recasting. That's coming up. That's coming up. That don't, is. Don't yeah. uh, we don't tease this. I'm, I'm we're gonna go into that. But some some breaking news right now. Uh, this just in: Danny Woodburn cast as Splinter in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Do we know who Danny, Danny Woodburn? Woodburn from Seinfeld? Yes. Mickey yes. from Seinfeld? Yes. Yes. Danny Woodburn. Yes. Of Death to the Smoochie, Mirror, Mirror, Bones, Crash and Bernstein, and Watchmen fame. This is not a joke. Uh, oh. <laughs> Joining Megan Fox as April Will O'Neil. Arnett. Will Arnett as, hopefully, Casey Jones. Casey Jones. <laughs> If that if that is the thing, I'm going. <laughs> what Danny Woodburn has bought Nick into Michael Bay's Ninja Turtles. No, Danny Woodburn hasn't. He's steered me away <laughs> further. Oh, Will Arnett as Will Casey Arnett Jones? Is, absolutely, okay, with like a really shitty wig, and just like flipping <laughs> yes. his hair. That's everything that I want out of this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie at this point. That is stupid. <laughs> This is the Michael Bay version of Peter Dinklage in X-Men Future Class. Or whatever it's called. I, my mind no, is so No, I think so you got blown. it right there. Oh. This movie is just, it's 
fuck. It's, <laughs> it's, it's getting worse Pardon and worse. my expletive, but... I think he's doing it on purpose. I like Danny Woodbird a lot. I mean, I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. Anyone that knows me knows that, and I think... Is he Splinter, though? No! <laughs> no! That's like, like seriously, no! like no. That's, literally, if somebody was like, "Who's the last person you'd want to cast as Splinter?" I didn't even Danny know this guy's name. Probably be what I would have said. He probably would be up there. And I don't want to shortchange the guy, but uh, boo, <laughs> boo. No, I really, I don't want to. I don't want to be that that total guy where I'm being right now. The guy who's like, "I want to see the 3D version." The guy who's like, "What a." Uh, a, a small person can't play Splinter, but he can't. That's well. I mean, clearly it's going to be a CG just character. So weird. I don't. I wouldn't say clearly, but it, it's likely. Well, how tight? I mean, I'm what sorry. Is it a practical cast? <laughs> okay, I want to cut this conversation off right now. <laughs> I mean, this could get weird. <laughs> it is the. It is the most bizarre. That is so weird. It's a strange choice. It's a very strange it choice. It feels like it's brought about solely because of the Peter Dinklage thing. <laughs> I'm serious. Which like, is... A, that's a very... That's weird, too. Like, that's weird. At least Peter Dink- Dinklage is, like, relevant right now. Well, and Peter Dinklage has a very strong voice. Yeah. Danny Woodburn doesn't have a strong voice. He's got he a unique one. He sounds like one. Danny Woodburn. He doesn't sound like Splinter. <laughs> I'm very confused by this, and yeah. I don't. I, honestly, I want to just throw it out there. It's not because he, it's not even because he's a little guy. It's because it kind of is for me. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I don't want to be an asshole, but all right, fair enough. This doesn't make any. It's so strange. But even like, just just like knowing him from his roles and stuff, I'm like, I don't see Splinter. No, it doesn't make. Much I don't sense know what he's gonna bring to the role to me. But I think you could say that about everybody else on this cast. Too. Yeah, it's it's really so. weird all the way around. It so. is like Michael Bay. We're going to find out that Michael Bay, like, secretly has some, like, 12 Monkeys looper type thing with Jonathan Liebsman, and he's just setting him up for the biggest failure ever, on purpose, because he's like, I'm rich as hell, and you're not, and I'm going to watch you burn. <laughs> this I don't is know. just I think, so weird. I, I'm thinking Michael Bay has some sort of fetishistic, like, I want to destroy these franchises <laughs> before the fans' eyes and watch them tear up. And, and He wants to make his own vision? Yeah. And yet still make a successful movie so that all the fans are like, why are people still going to see these? <laughs> I want to make a movie where a supermodel who can't act is April and Mickey from Seinfeld is Splinter. <laughs> and the only redemptive quality is Will Arnett as Casey Jones. <laughs> Honestly, it, I, with recorded evidence, if that comes, I'm going. We should all go. If Will Arnett is Casey Jones... I would be down to see the movie if that was true. <laughs> All right. I will not be down to see the movie. That's true. <laughs> With a shitty wig and everything. I, I'm already not down to see the movie. So. I'm not seeing it. I'm going to laugh really hard at watching the early trailers and stuff for it, though, because it's going to be funny. This also just Merle's not going to watch a trailer because he wants to go in fresh. Yeah, exactly. This also just in. Patrick Duffy would do a step-by-step reunion. Oh, man. All I've right. been waiting. Uh, back to the was other that, news. Was that Mickey Woodburn story literally just... Yes. Like minutes I, ago? Like, uh, I'll give you the time, the yeah, timestamp. Just, just moments ago. Did you read this already, Will? This is 7.32 p.m. I saw that somebody from Seinfeld was cast as, as Splinter, but I didn't, I, I didn't look at the article. I didn't care. Again, so. Danny Woodburn is the last person I would have thought. I would have been like, oh, Brian Cranston, maybe. Hmm. <laughs> anyway. Michael Richards? Um, Michael Chiklis. I take Michael Chiklis as Splinter over Danny Woodburn. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Let's move on. I'm sorry, Danny Woodburn. It's nothing against you. 
So, as you teased, Willie, we're going to talk about Jane Got a Gun. You teased it, but you didn't know we were going to talk about it. Um, Bradley Cooper and Noah Emmerich have replaced some of the fleeing cast of the film. <laughs> the fleeing. Noah Emmerich. <laughs> and I know he's he's playing her husband. Yeah. <laughs> the fleeing cast. Yeah. I like. I, I can imagine the literally. I can imagine the cast that's left thus far actually running from set, <laughs> like as it's burning or something. Um, so I don't know if we had this information at the time. I feel like we probably did, but uh, Gavin O'Connor is directing. Mm-hmm. They now have a director on set. It's the second director. <laughs> yes, the second director who who showed up for his first Someone's day. Someone steering work. the ship. Yes, yeah, somebody is back on the on the ship uh, at the head of the ship. Um, have they been filming? I don't know that. I can't <laughs> tell you that. But uh, Bradley Cooper is replacing Jude Law as uh, the villain, I believe. Michael Fassbender was playing the villain, yes. and then Michael Fassbender left, and Joel or no, Joel Edgerton was playing the villain. Michael Fassbender left as the hero. Joel Edgerton took his spot as the hero. Jude Law came in for the villain. Jude Law left as the villain, and now Bradley Cooper's coming in as the villain. (laughs) Bradley Cooper actor is the villain. Bradley Cooper actor. Uh, All right. This is the movie's never going to be as compelling or interesting as the story behind making the movie. (laughs) Just saying. It's setting itself up for (laughs) total water world level goofiness. Although, if anybody can save it, it's the director of Warrior. So. Just throw that out there. It could it could still be an interesting movie. It's got a really good cast. But the production troubles are certainly worrisome. Noah Emmerich is the husband. I'm like, I want to live in the universe where Natalie Portman's married to Noah Emmerich. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I just don't... I, I, it doesn't seem probable to me, no offense to Noah Emmerich, but... I mean, I mean this is a period piece, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> guys, right. were, guys were rough and tumble back then, I don't know. All right. Rough and tumble. Yeah. Oh, no, uh, Emmerich's a rough and tumble kind of guy. I loved him in Frequency. You go, Noah. I love you in Frequency. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think that's enough casting news today. Yeah. You blew my mind wide open with that next to last one. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad. Whoa! <laughs> that is just weird. In the middle of the review for Place Beyond the Pines, Nick will be going, still going, whoa! <laughs> whoa! No, All right. Whatever. I'm over it. This movie is gonna be something <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a movie so this week we decided to review uh derek c and france's the place beyond the pines which stars ryan gosling eva mendez uh bradley cooper ray liotta um and a few other people rose Byrne. uh somebody named anthony pizza which is awesome yeah <laughs> anthony saw pizza? That the little kid yeah. oh. um so and of course Sinat- Ben Mendelsohn. Yes, Ben Mendelsohn and Ben Mendelsohn and Ben Mendelsohn and Dog. Yes, and Dog, dancing Dog. Um, so the synopsis from IMDb says a motorcycle stunt rider turns to robbing banks as a way to provide for his lover and their newborn child. A decision that puts him on a collision course with an ambitious rookie cop navigating a department ruled by a corrupt detective. Kind of. I mean, it's not wrong. <laughs> Here's the thing we should say right now. If, if A, if there's anybody listening, and B, you want to see this movie, like, you should probably just skip any of this, because there's, or we should be very, you really can't talk about this movie at all without ruining I think, I think we, we, what we need to do real quick is give some very brief thoughts about what we thought overall the movie. And then move into spoilers Because there's really, this is very, very, you have to tread so carefully with this movie. Okay. So I can do that. Yeah, yeah, I read a lot of people on IMDb. Very, almost every everybody who enjoyed the movie was like, "Don't read anything about it. Don't even watch the trailer if you haven't seen it." You I don't think you should. It. Yeah, 
And I, I'll say right now, I feel like this emphasis is really weird because it's not necessarily... I don't know. I feel like there's like... Uh, never mind, I don't want to say anything. Exactly. It's, this, <laughs> is a very, this is a very hard movie to talk about without giving anything away. So, Alright. Um, you know. That being said... That being said, don't see this movie for the score. Next. Don't do that. Um, yeah, agreed. <laughs> Was anyone? <laughs> sorry, sorry, Mike Patton. I don't know. Those sorry, Mike... fans of Faith No More. <laughs> Mike Patton fans out there. Mr. Bungle fans. Ooh. <laughs> I like where you went there. Um, no. Um, overall... With this, with this movie, I thought it was a long, way longer than it could have been, than it should have been. Two hours and twenty minutes long. I think that we could have trimmed here and there. Yeah. Um, I think the performances are great Mostly all the way yeah. around. I think it continues this really cool tradition we're seeing lately of casting incredibly interesting and just super high quality actors in very minor supporting roles, and mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah. Zero Dark Thirty did it. Um. Argo, kind of, in certain spots. I yeah. mean, we've seen that lately, and it's very cool to yeah. see. Um, I think that, and I'll get more into it when we talk about spoiler stuff, I think that its biggest fault is that it's a little overly ambitious for what it is. It wants to be too many things. It wants to have too many themes. Um, it doesn't quite settle on any one idea or focus or... Um, or theme, and, and that's actually a detriment to the movie as a whole, I think. Um, but we'll talk more about that when we get into, okay. into it. So, Nick, some brief thoughts. Neither of you have seen Derek St. Francis' Blue Valentine. I have not. I have. You have? Yeah, okay. So I if did. you want to say a little bit on that, too. Um, maybe in spoilers. Okay. I don't think I have anything to directly correlate. Right did now. you like Blue Valentine? I did. Okay. I and I remember as I went into it, I was like, I remember almost everybody saying they didn't like this movie, but I remember it got a lot of praise critically, so I was interested to see what I was going to think of it. And I I did actually like it, almost the whole. I mean, I really liked the whole movie. There wasn't anything I would have taken away because it's not super long. Yeah. I think Place Beyond the Pines was a little overly long. <clears throat> um, if it had been kept down to about two hours flat, it, it probably would have been stronger. Um, that said. I'm, I do want to see it again. I actually do want to watch it again, and maybe the second time I'll like the length of it more now that I know kind of what to expect. I know the story. I might be able to enjoy... You have a feel I for the pacing. I might be able to savor it a little bit more, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I completely and 100% understand and agree with what Willie says about it being overly ambitious. I think that that's accurate. It, went, it kind of reached too far. It doesn't really bother me, really, but I'm obviously pretty okay with movies that just kind of wander around <clears throat> see really... lawless hmm? see lawless yeah exactly or any Terrence Malick movie <laughs> anything like that and uh, you know like, when I when I'm getting I would have rather had known the movie was going to be like that I probably would have expected uh, expected it and it would have sat a little bit better as I was watching it but at no point during the movie was I like holy crap this movie needs to end I was in, I was like okay this is longer than I thought it was going to be but the only thing was I kind of had to pee and that was it um <laughs> <clears throat> but I I enjoyed it. I I think the acting what saved it for me was the acting is really strong throughout. There's really nobody in it that's bad at all. Um the characters are all interesting and they all feel very very real. The same with Blue Valentine. I was like these feel like real people. Yeah. Which is obviously Cian France is very very strong at creating these really believable people going through some crap. Yeah. I don't think he'll ever make a happy movie. But <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm fine with that. He tells he tells really good, really strong human stories, and uh, I, I liked just about everything about it. the score. As I found out, the score is very minimal. I remember when the movie was over, where like the score is super minimal, and what was there about eighty percent of what was there we didn't really care for. And there was a little bit that was very good. I thought that one theme that kind of plays throughout was very good. Yeah. It's in the trailer, too, so when I recognized it, I was like, oh, I really liked this when it was paired. It's better in the trailer than it is. It was more the placement of the music, I think, Uh, within the movie. I mean, not that the music was anything remarkable, but I think that the placement weirded me out more than anything else. I like, for the most part, I noticed the music when there was no dialogue. It was usually during other shots where it was just, like, people driving or whatever, and I I liked it there. I liked that the dialogue wasn't ever drowned out by music or... Is it immerses you more? It's the same with Blue Valentine. There's not a lot of music in no. the movie, and when you're just when all you have to listen to is conversation and the ambient sound, it feels like a real world. The real world, and that's fine with me. My issue with with the with the music is mostly the fact that when it is there, it's seemingly trying to. It's like emphasizing negative space in the film, to me, and on top of that, it feels really, really out of character sometimes. Like, it doesn't fit the tone of what's going on, like, ever, in my opinion. Like It never I, really stood out to me, but I wasn't really paying attention. I was more watching than listening. Yeah. But but I, I looked into the score, and I listened to most of it, and it's awful. Like, the actual <laughs> score is not even in the movie, because it's terrible. It's super experimental, and it's all empty bullshit. So Sounds like Mike Patton's So it sounds life. like... Derek, it sounds like Team France made the right choice by being like, eh, I'm not just not gonna have this in the movie very much. Yeah, him and David O. Russell. It's weird. I, yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> they can have fun. Um, they can have fun. <laughs> so, yeah, I I was not a big fan of Blue Valentine. It's Blue Valentine's a very well made movie. Uh, there's very strong performances in it um, from both Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams, um, but. Just by the end of the movie, I felt so emotionally drained and utterly unhappy with every single theme and idea that the movie puts forth that there was no way that I could walk away from it satisfied. But I do acknowledge the fact that it made me feel these things in the first place and that it's well made. So take that for what you will. Um, I didn't really prep myself for The Place Beyond the Pines by reflecting on what I felt about Blue Valentine. So somehow I have walked out of The Place Beyond the Pines feeling better about it despite the fact that it doesn't end up any lighter than blue valentine is <sighs> yeah, yeah it's all i don't know it's all shades of gray at that at that point yeah but, um you're right it's a different kind of it yeah there it's it's almost apples and oranges but um rotten apples and rotten oranges <laughs> But I yeah the anything I'm gonna say here is just parroting the acting is fantastic um Certainly, the pacing could be dealt with by chopping a few things up. Like, the movie could probably have easily lost the 20 minutes past two hours that it goes. Um, And I think with that, there could have been even some larger cuts to story beats that maybe would have made it seem less ambitious and might have made it a tighter story and had it all come together in the end a little bit more... um, A little bit more satisfyingly, but the, the... it's kind of also you could also say about that that uh life doesn't end up that way a lot of the times like yeah, sometimes I mean, this is a very very honest it doesn't it doesn't pull punches for the sake of making you feel good yeah and it doesn't and so you know not every story in your life is going to be like oh here's this nice neat bow on the story that i have to tell you so yeah 
Very few are. Yeah, so it, I can appreciate it for that, but it still just feels like... I, I, I couldn't help but walk out of the movie wondering, what exactly am I supposed to get out of this? Mm-hmm. Which is similar to how I felt about Blue Valentine, and the more I thought about it with Blue Valentine, I was like, all of these messages are utterly terrible and not something that I want to have any sort of effect on my beliefs about how relationships relationships work in that particular sense but for that particular movie um but the place beyond the pines it's i don't know it's so hard to sum up thoughts about it because it's just without getting yeah yeah so well what about a letter grade if you could give it one or do you not feel comfortable doing that just yet should we do letter grades now yeah yeah, I think we should. Um, I'd probably give it a B minus. Okay, I'd give it a C plus. I can understand that. A minus for me. Yeah. I, this is interesting. I'm glad that we're all kind of on in different spots with this one. I mean, yeah. Not that we don't disagree completely with each other, but it's cool to see that we're all kind of walking away with different stuff. So. Yeah, and uh, the 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 B minus that I give it, it's it's mostly that. Uh, Technically, it's very, very well made from every standpoint except editing, in my opinion. And then, but on the other hand, I feel like the movie's largely inconsequential because I don't know what I walked out of it with. But anyway, I'm talking in circles now. We can we can kind of move into spoiler territory. So, we'll take a short break. We'll be right back with spoilers. Uh, go check out the movie if you haven't had a chance yet. And we're back. This is spoiler territory for the place beyond the pines. Um, so TPBPT. We we were pretty urgent about not not spoiling anything in our review so um what do you guys what do you want to start with as for spoilers i think we should start light i think we should start about how awesome that scene with the dancing dog was (laughs) i have to talk about it dancing Um, in the dark yep fantastic use of bruce springsteen thank you and um fantastic wiggling around of a dog which who has not done that with a dog at some point like swayed him back and forth it's Fan- a lot of fun fantastic shitless uh mendelson yeah and the whole scene's really awkward but really funny um <laughs> the chemistry between those two was really believable very good very very good um but yeah i had to, had to bring up the dog because the dog was hilarious oh yeah um i really wanted to see some sort of tribute to the dog when you when uh, Dane DeHaan goes back there. Like there was like a, like his his statue, like his stuffed on the wall or something. <laughs> yeah, Ben Mendelsohn's character is the Robin is the type who would keep weird taxidermy. He would. He totally would. Um, I will say that. I mean, obviously, we have to talk a little bit about kind of the strange narrative flow of this movie. Um, it's basically three movies. It's three acts, but each act well, is its own movie almost. Yeah, almost like vignettes, sort of. It is, but they're all you know obviously connected through the characters and during our short break I took a viewing of the the trailer and the trailer very much makes it look like these are concurrent uh, stories con- yeah two concurrent three concurrent the Bradley Cooper and the Brian Gosling yeah so the heat beyond the pines it's very it's a bait and switch it's misleading we'll come up later but um, um, it's misleading but it's the 
that's where my problems with the movie lie. Um, can I just say the opening scene with Gosling is amazing. It to- instantly sucked into this movie, and I was like, "This is going to be really cool." Like, yeah. takes, long to- takes, baby. It was it was very cool. Yeah. I was instantly like invested in whatever he was up to. You know, and I mean, I mm-hmm. knew going into this that he was a motorcycle driver of some sort, but mm-hmm. it's very cool. Um, and it took me a while to get into his character and to kind of figure out what makes him tick, because he's not an easy character to like. You know what I mean? He's like just looking at him, he's kind of grungy and dirty, and obviously he's has some issues and he had a kid that he didn't even know about didn't even know about and and none of these people are easy to like when you first meet them um and i was kind of upset because just as you're really starting to get kind of a feel for his character and and really starting to get into like what feels like it's going to be the the uh the kind of i don't know like the beginning of the the heightened stuff for for his story he's dead and gone yeah i mean it's over um i wasn't mad because they killed the central character, because I've seen movies that have done that before in the past. Mm-hmm. It's certainly not, you know, completely original to do that, but it was it was it was jarring. If they wanted it to be jarring and shocking, it worked. Um and it kinda just disappointed me because I'm like I feel like there was more they could have done with, with this character. He didn't get a complete arc. No. No, he didn't. Um which like not I said that you always need one. And I, I don't I, and, yeah. and that's not necessarily the case, but I, I felt really invested in in his character by that point and what he was trying to do. Even though I didn't necessarily like the guy, I I understood him. And then it was like, he's just gone. Like, wow, holy crap. It's like a slap in the face. Kind of like a cold water being splashed in your face while you're sleeping. You know, you're just like, what? Um, and then we joined Bradley Cooper, who was a completely different character. I yeah. mean, really on the opposite end of the spectrum. I would say he's the one character that is pretty likable when you first meet him. Pretty much. And really, then, then it gets... really hard to be a good dude. Yeah, he does. And then it wavers a little bit throughout the course of his story. But this is this is kind of what I was saying earlier with the too many themes thing, and one of my problems is is each individual portion of this movie, each act has its own theme, or in this case, like six themes. You know what I'm saying? There's so many different avenues that they can take these, these characters and these stories, and they never really quite pick one or two of them and, and fully examine yeah. them, you only get little snapshots of these, in my opinion. I mean, like, with Bradley Cooper, there was a lot about the uh, corruption of the police the, the police department and him initially going along with it because he... I, th- I don't think it's because he wanted to, certainly. It's because he felt like he had to because mm-hmm. what were his other options? And then fighting back against it. And then I felt like that... Not that it didn't go anywhere, but I've, well, it wasn't fully... Well, even after going against it, then he uses it for his own personal gain. Exactly. There's, a, there's definitely a flip-flop there as far yeah. as his character, which is fine, but it, it just... It feels like it, it becomes a completely different movie mm-hmm. at that point, and it's it's examining different themes, and we're obviously following a different character, and I don't know. I feel like this is weirdly like a... This would have worked better almost as a season of a show... Than as, does that make sense? Than, yeah. than as a as a film, we I mean it's almost like you've got ten hours worth of story that you could tell here, and we're trying if, to squish if you it. wanted to explore all the themes that they and I think that that it would have been better served in the, for me. I think I would have enjoyed it more as as kind of like a you have like a season of Ryan Gosling and then a season of Bradley Cooper and then a season of the kids that would have been really cool can you imagine a series that does that where every season you're focused I mean the the wire kind the of wire does, does that, that but somewhat. not somewhat but can you imagine like having that I mean I think it would be really cool yeah. um, 
and I think it'd be something that would totally fit alongside some of the stuff that HBO is doing or AMC is doing or yeah. whoever. So I don't know. That's just I wish some of the themes were more fully explored, um, and some of the characters were 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 more fully explored. I think that the movie I would have enjoyed the movie better if if like the trailer had showed us the stories were running more parallel. Yeah. Um, from the get go, but obviously that's not the story they were telling. So. Yeah. All right. Nick, uh, you got some spoilerific thoughts to go over. Um, <clears throat> yeah, my only real beef with that, I think one thing that could have probably improved the movie maybe would have been some more, getting a little more clever with the editing and not necessarily having it be like point A to point B, like literally. I think it would have been cooler because blue valentine is told in a very it jumps back and forth between time periods and it would have been yeah absolutely it would have been (laughs) it would have been cool uh maybe if and it wouldn't have been super original and we and everybody would have seen it coming but it might have been a more satisfying story if maybe you're seeing some of the ryan gosling and then you see some of the bradley cooper and you see some more of the ryan gosling and then more of the bradley cooper yeah and then maybe the kids and you and then dane DeHaan is like oh my dad died or something when i was a kid and then maybe he sees bradley cooper's son's picture and he's like is that your dad and you see him looking at the news and then come back to more of ryan gosling's and then more of bradley cooper's and then maybe almost end the movie with the climax in the house and be like okay these two characters Maybe you can see Bradley Cooper with all this guilt in the third act. Yeah, yeah. You could have told the story up. less in less of a linear form if you were going to have all these branching paths to talk about. It might have been a easier to swallow and b it's just more interesting. Yeah, absolutely. no, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm ready to see this movie right now. Like it'd be interesting. A recut to go. version, and it of... would have been because the audience would figure out in like the the early third act, probably like okay, apparently Bradley Cooper probably killed Ryan Gosling, or there was some sort of confrontation. But the thing, the thing that's cool about the confrontation is it's so chance. Like, Bradley Cooper just happened to be driving by that block. He just happened to be in the right place at the right time. It could have been any cop. It could have gone any differently. Ryan Gosling could have shot him before well, he entered the room. And it would be beautiful to have, like, these three scenes intercut, or two scenes intercutting of that chase. Like, you see Ryan Gosling... Uh, Eat, eat shit on the pavement and slide into the the car or whatever and then it cuts to Dane DeHaan walking up the staircase and seeing the picture of Bradley Cooper and like just there being this moment you could of, have had a really amazing climax of cross-cutting between all three stories and have it hit this moment totally no that's you're you're absolutely on the money about that it could have been really neat Cause, yeah. and, I, and I think I don't want to compare this movie to Drive because they're nothing alike for some reason people were comparing this movie to well, Drive and Drive had in the in the final act a little bit of a shuffling there between what happened in like the the final moments of the movie, and it's really, really, really well done. Um, and I remember thinking, I want to see more of that in movies where, you know, movies are such a medium that you don't need to tell it from point A to point B necessarily. You can tell a story in a totally shuffled manner. I'm not saying it was a bad choice. I'm totally happy with it. I like... I really l- love the movie for its realism. I really like... How realistic it is because it's a it's a huge disappointment when Ryan Gosling's character dies when when Luke dies you're really bummed out because a Gosling I mean you have to admit he's a really magnetic screen personality like yeah. you want to watch him he's fun to watch he's a great actor and you're bummed out at the loss of that and then it's not like you're trading him down because Bradley Cooper's really good in the movie too um, but then you're kind of bummed out because you were starting to like this character you were starting to be like okay maybe he can turn himself around if he tries and 
you, you you're you're interested like like Willie said, but it's so much like real life that like people just die and that happens and their story is over and there's nothing you can do about it. So I remember watching the movie. I was like, shit. And then you move on. Your attention shifts to this other person. And you, you follow his story and you follow these kids' stories. And the, for me, the whole movie, again, same with Blue Valentine, it's very real. Like, the, that yeah. that all could and probably has happened before. Yeah. It gets a little silly with the boys, but only a little bit. I mean, it's not so outrageous. They're in the same town. They're the same age when, you know, their dads... Yeah. It's cool. It's it's cool thematically. It seems very plausible. That's why I like the movie. It's very, um, it feels very much like real life. <clears throat> Even the problem and the problems all the characters deal with too. I mean, the, the teenage boys. One doesn't have a father. One's father is never around. They both have problems with drugs. Uh, Bradley Cooper and his wife being divorced without ever saying it was a really nice touch. I was like, yeah. that's cool, showing that these people obviously grew apart. It might have stemmed from his accidents because clearly there was some weirdness there. Yeah, the corrupt cop story was really cool. Just everything about it, they were all problems that I thought were, again, just like Blue Valentine, it's very real stuff that people deal with, and I, I really enjoyed it for that. The trailer is super misleading, but I, I don't really mind it. I think it's kind of clever, because everything, all the evidence is there in the trailer that the movie, like, the movie we got is not necessarily any different from the trailer. It's all there, and yeah. and all the, the words in the trailer that go by reinforce everything the movie's about. It's pretty interesting. It's just sneaky. It's a very sneaky yeah. move. <laughs> it's, it's a. I'm not mad about it. I'm yeah. mad, but it's uh, it's cool. But I, I I I like it. I like it a lot for what it is. I think that movies <clears throat> movies like this that kind of leave you wishing something else had happened instead are really important to balance out the movies where everything works out for the best and everything gets tied up neatly. I mean. Like like I said, the death of, of Ryan Gosling's character is, is very realistic. That kind of sad shit happens. And I think that movies like that that are willing to take the honest view... Like you said, what you said about Blue Valentine was really good. You said you don't want... You don't necessarily want to be exposed to stories like that that might taint your view yeah. of relationships. But that the, the reality is that, that shit happens more than yeah. the Princess Bride type stuff. Yeah, That happens all the time, every day to everybody. And uh, I think movies like that are are... I like watching them because they're interesting. They're, uh, I think they're important. They serve a purpose. <clears throat> and obviously, it's not for everybody. It doesn't have to be. You know, there's a reason that movies like that don't make. <laughs> yeah. Tens of millions. For people of who see movies as escapism, obviously, you don't want to live in a world of a couple's sure relationship being deteriorating. You don't want to. You don't want to leave the real world only to sit in a theater and watch the real world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I get that. Which I, I don't necessarily ascribe myself as one of those people that just goes to a movie for escapism. No, but. not all the time. I like I like a nice even even mix of both. That's why yeah. I really love uh, going to movies like this, and like the reason that the movie like To the Wonder or Tree of Life, or whatever, intrigues me because it's going to be something a little bit different. Yeah. And this movie is very cool because it really toes the line between conventional and not conventional. It's very familiar and yet very different. I think people describing it as an epic is pretty appropriate. It is a huge story condensed into a short time. Oh, it is. And um, all I, I will just say a lot of. I read tons of the snippets of people's reviews on Rotten Tomatoes for this, and they're all really good. Yeah, they all echo like exactly my thoughts. Most, mostly, everybody said they really, really like the the good parts are great, the bad parts are are bad, but they loved the experience. Like so many people were like, it, it was a great. I mean, it's got like an eighty one on Rotten Tomatoes. It's pretty high up there. I'm certainly yeah. not angry about going and seeing it. I mean, I don't regret having seen this movie. I don't yeah. think I'll ever watch it again. 
Yeah, I don't necessarily see myself watching again. Although, to tell you the truth, I am tempted right now to like grab a copy of it when it comes out and, and just re-edit it. I was something no, when I when I had this thought the other day, I was thinking to myself, I was replaying the movie in my head, and I was like, "What could I move around?" And I was like, "One day I might actually try it just for fun." You should. You should do a toe for grace and re-edit the Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> While we're saying that, real quick, do you remember what the other movie was that I said I was going to do that with? And there was a trailer I was going to hmm. recut to make it. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. Mm-mm. Anyway, it's not uh, yeah. important. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily have anything particular in spoilers to say. Um, I did feel like a lot of the stuff with the kids... Maybe I was just so ready for the movie to be over that... You're pretty drained by that It might point. be a lot better the second time. If you ever did watch it again, you might find you enjoy the, the kid's story a little bit it's more. It's true. It's true. But now that I'm even thinking about it through the lens of what you were saying, it would be cool to meet these kids and not know who their parents are in the first place. Like, towards the beginning of the movie. If you could cut the movie in such a way that it seems like all three stories are taking place simultaneously, and then you find out, it would have been a masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting. It's like the pilot of uh, Modern Family. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like weirdly just, enough, the pilot of Modern Family. It's not a big spoiler, and it's not a function of the show, but it's like you start off with these three different families, and then in the end of the episode, you find out that they're all one it's big all, family. That's cool. That I feel like this movie could really work on that level, almost. Maybe not necessarily as shot, but there could be little tweaks here and there to like the story and what was actually filmed. Yeah, and I don't even know if it's doable to... I mean, you'd have to really go through and examine it to see if it's even doable to edit it where it would work that way. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how good it would but be. But I agree that it had... It, honest, weirdly enough, I, I you're totally on the money about this, the fact that it, it could have been like a masterpiece yeah. if it was edited that way. And I totally would have been like, oh my god. <laughs> Your mind would have been oh blown my god. so <laughs> yeah. far. Like, I'm just thinking about the way you could have had something with with Ryan Gosling and Robin and then have Dane DeHaan showing up to this garage and having the audience be like, is that Robin? Is that, he's still around. And then having him lean his head out and be like, he's like, hey, I'm looking for Robin. And like having these characters, yeah. and having Ryan Gosling being in the trailer, like packing it up when he was getting ready to give the money and show Dane DeHaan going in and picking up the sunglasses, it could have been, woo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> could have no, been something. That that would be very cool. I bet this, the, the score would end up better somehow <laughs> we just add, an, add a new score <laughs> Def Punk scores the place beyond the pants <laughs> no yeah I and it, that's the thing is that I I feel like my thoughts mostly came out as negative about the movie but I did enjoy I don't well enjoy is the wrong word I did uh I think it was a worthwhile experience and I think he's certainly a filmmaker to watch mm-hmm because he certainly is making these very real films, like you've been saying, and, and uh, they're pretty unlike anything that you're going to see see from anybody else. But it's just... Um, yeah, and I like the fact that I didn't have the preconceived notion that the stories were going to run concurrently. That's that's probably good. Probably for the best. Yeah, like, I, you know, Ryan Gosling, his character, Luke dying, was... was it certainly took me by surprise, but I... You know, and I was I was thinking it is very interesting that Bradley Cooper hasn't shown up in the first what what is it forty five. And the way they the introduce movie. him is cool. It's just a, a little shot of his face in the car, just cruising around. Yeah, you could, you could reveal. you could blink and miss it. And, yeah, you know, but um, yeah, it's 
it's a very interesting movie, and I'm and I'm glad that we got to talk about it. Maybe break up some of the popcorn fare that we end up reviewing on the show. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to watch it again now. After honestly, after talking about everything we just talked about, yeah, it take, would almost take be, notes. For I your could almost see editing. if somebody ever said to see in France, made the suggestion, did you ever think about what everything we just said? I feel like he would almost answer back. That would take away from the real life story. The realness story. of it, yeah. yeah. Like, that's the way Nolan would have made it. Yeah. And it would have been amazing. Yeah. So it's... It would have been better. Just saying. <laughs> it's interesting. It would have been better. I think better is relative. It would have been... I would have enjoyed it more. How about that? It would have been... It would have been something really, really sweet. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool that it that it makes it... That there's this much to talk about with it. Yeah. And I think I could easily keep talking about it, but... Yeah. Whatever. All right. I think we are going to segue out of spoilers. Are there any final thoughts other than that? No. Be good. I think it's worth seeing. I mean, yeah. I mean honestly. I think the yeah. acting is incredible. It's yeah. really, really strong. Yeah. Dane, Dane DeHaan, we didn't mention... I think Dane DeHaan's, like, probably the best person in this movie. He's I'm just saying. Actor. like you mean acting-wise? Yeah. Honest to God, like, I think he gives the best performance in this movie. Just my opinion. Uh, but... I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. He does a very good job, but he plays his character from Chronicle. That's yeah. the way I felt watching it. I was like, fair enough. He I walked off the set that. of that movie. He's damn good at it, movie. though. Yeah, I think Bradley Cooper did a really, really good job. Actually, his range yeah. is broader than I think a lot of people give him credit for. Because he played a very young, kind of naive cop, scared, kind of like you know, he turned to his dad in the movie for like yeah. help, and turns into this guy, this confident. Guy grabs his son by the face like this, like it was, that was intense. I was like, Jesus, this character's I, really changed. I think, uh, I think the best actor in the movie is Tom Rumor of Rubicon fame. <laughs> his dog, not poorly photoshopped <laughs> into anywhere in this movie. <laughs> I think, uh, in all honesty, weirdly enough, with all the good performances in this movie, I don't think there's any single one that I'm like Oscar bait. I don't see, you know what I'm saying. No. I don't see anyone that sticks out as like, oh, the Oscars are totally like the nom because of all of his weird tattoos, and he clearly was. I don't know, he might. He seems to be. Yeah. It's just something I thought about afterwards. I'm like, as good as everybody was, I just don't see anybody like acknowledging any of the acting in this movie. Yeah, for yeah it's too bad. Yeah. Cooper was really good. Mendelssohn. Cooper actor. Best Mendelsohn supporting. He's one of those actors that, as soon as he's on the screen, you're just like, the guy is... Oh, yeah. Man. yeah. He's like Gary Oldman. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You just want to watch him. Yeah. Even in Killing Them Softly, where he's revolting, I was just like, I'm enjoying he was, watching he this He was guy. probably my favorite part about that movie, yeah. was how disgusting <laughs> I, I want to throw up right now, but I like you a lot. Yeah, <laughs> you just want to grab him and throw him in a bath and <laughs> hold him down like a cat. <laughs> Alright, um, so, food for thought. I suppose it's kind of sponsored by me, a little bit. Yeah, this is actually kind of your, your food for thought. So. Um, why, why don't you start it out? I don't have a... I, I don't have a uh, an answer for it but you guys do so we'll go with it anyway and hopefully i'll maybe i'll pick one up but um in the same way of place beyond the, the place beyond the pines i don't necessarily you know if you're tuning back in after skipping the the spoiler section we'll just say that the trailer for the place beyond the pines is a very uh it's kind of misleading yeah. yeah it's a misleading trailer so what what movies have you walked into where uh it was absolutely nothing like what you thought, for better or worse. Um, yeah. What do you think? Um, well, I, I, the, the one I'm thinking of right now, um, and this, the, the first thing I saw initially was actually the, the, the poster or the box art for this. And it's a movie called The Groomsman. 
directed by Edward Burns, who's mostly known by by the general public as as an actor. Um, he's in Saving Private Ryan and a bunch of other stuff. What? I'm smiling because you said general public. Yeah, <laughs> yes, tenderness. Yes. Um, but no, Edward Burns. Uh, he's actually he's directed a ton of movies. Um, I haven't seen all of them, but the ones I've seen, I've enjoyed. Anyway, the groomsman, Pro- prominent star of uh, Entourage. <laughs> Was HBO, he? Yeah. Was he on Entourage? Yeah. Um, he was also in Saving Private Ryan. One of my favorite performances from him. He's really under, like, really underrated in that movie. But he, he's very, very good. Um, anyway, there was a movie he made called The Groomsman with a heck of a cast: um, John Leguizamo, Donald Logue, um, Jay Moore, uh, Matthew Lillard. That they're, they're, it's about a group Brittany of friends Murphy. that Brittany Murphy. Yep. It's about a group of friends that get together for uh, Edward Burns' wedding. And um, on the cover and in the trailer, it was kind of played out to be this kind of American Pie-ish, raunchy comedy, like, party man, yeah! like, And it's not at all like that. At all. It is very much... It, it is totally a dramedy. Like, it's, well, with, with that cast, too, it's very hard to say... Like, you would expect it to be a it's a comedy movie, you know? Like, you've got... The poster here does say Edward Burns, John Leguizamo, Matthew Lillard, Donald Logue, Jay Moore, and Brittany Murphy. Like that, Mostly people known for comedic... Yeah, yeah. ...roles. Yeah. And we've got the star of the pest in here, guys. <laughs> um, one of the greatest comedy films of all time. But no, I... <laughs> it was... As far as I know, I, it might have been a limited theatrical release, but I, I think it was just straight to video. Um, and... It came in the video store. It was a movie that we could rent, you know, a week before it came out or whatever. And I, it's I, I have no idea why I even played it. You know what I mean? Because it didn't look good at all. Yeah. And I, I rented it, played it, and I was like, oh my god! Like, thank thank goodness for whatever reason I had like a moment of weakness or something. You know, like, and then I showed it to Nick. I told Nick I was like, dude, you got to check out this movie, The Groomsman. I remember Nick's immediate reaction was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> the movie looked really stupid. Till death do us party. What? Yeah, that was like the tagline. Till death do us party, which is so st- like. Anyway, I, I want better box art for it so I can f- represent. It's it's. We should make a fake. A really really good comedy, dramedy has a lot of heart. Some really cool character arcs for every single member of the of the group of friends. It sounds like maybe the production company just didn't know what to label it as. Absolutely. Yeah. Or I the, have the. The they studio. probably would make more money on DVD if it, they marketed it as a raunchy kind oh, of yeah. totally. middle age coming of age. <laughs> totally. We should post the box art. Okay. On on the on the show notes because it I it's really like yeah, it's dumb. It's really weird and it doesn't fit the movie at all. But it's <laughs> honestly like if you're if you're ever looking for a really cool lower budget uh, comedy, you know, like but I don't know dramedy because it has a lot of drama yeah. too. But it's it's just really good. I mean it's. And totally misleading from every little bit I saw of it beforehand. So. Interesting. All right, Nick, what's your misleading movie trailer? The only one I can really think of—it's not even necessarily super misleading—but I thought of District Nine right away. Yeah. Because the trailer was so strange. It definitely—I don't even know. I just remember watching the trailer and being like, "Whoa, what is? What the hell is this?" Yeah. When they—it definitely seemed like it was going to be all about the U.S. like detaining aliens and like it didn't seem like it was going to be a story about a man at yeah. all it didn't seem it seemed like it was going to be much more i don't know 
it didn't seem like it'd be that 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 intimate of a story about like yeah kind of, it didn't kind of seem like it would stand for as much as it really does no and he i don't think vickis was even in the trailers at all i don't yeah, think you even know. see the character because i remember on screen i was like who's this goofball and <laughs> it's uh it's a very very different from the movie you end up getting and i think that's 100 percent fine because the movie we got is amazing it's yeah. one of my favorites it's a great movie well, sadly, I've been sitting here going through, uh, I googled misleading movie trailers because I seriously can't think of anything. Yeah. I got one. Also, Iron Man 2, because the trailer made it look like the movie's going to be amazing. <laughs> it's a little bit underwhelming. It's not terrible. X-Men Origins Wolverine. There are oh a lot of those. Oh my god, that's the best one. There are that's a lot of those. That's the best one ever. How did I not think of that? <laughs> that is, like, on level with the Langella in terms of... <laughs> Just a, a something of movie staples and a super miss. That is, you just won and you didn't even think you had one. <laughs> Have you even seen the movie? Uh, yeah, yeah, I saw it back in the day. That is one of the best movie trailers I think I've ever seen, and the movie is so bad. <laughs> well, that's that's totally them doing their job. That's very just well. good. That's yeah. somebody who knows how to edit a like trailer. Like the Transformers Three trailer was so good. I remember I was like, oh my god, Michael Bay's gonna win me back. <laughs> like how did this happen? Yeah, then I went and saw it, and I was like, oh. was so good. I mean, I guess I haven't even seen this movie, but The Last Airbender. Like, that's going, going into that, I was so excited for that movie. Like, I could not wait. The effects looked amazing. I loved the cartoon. It's just and then... there's yeah, so many volatile reviews that are just completely <laughs> spewing all over the movie. I was like, there's clearly no reason. It's definitely, for me the way to see I feel this. about Wolverine. It, and the sad thing is the trailer is so good same same case with Avatar or Last Airbender because the the source material they're drawing from is so good yeah. the potential for an amazing story was the sky was the limit really and um nope yeah I'm so glad you said that about Wolverine <laughs> I, I can't believe I didn't even think of that yeah I yeah I, I can't think of one of my own volition other than you know last airbender doesn't even really count because i didn't watch it but well that's a good one though because you're i mean you're not wrong you're not gonna watch the movie and go yeah you know? that's true that's true a lot of, a lot of the the movies that that do this are i think it's the, like you said the case of the studio saying this will sell better if we make it look like this yeah you know, which, so you know it's complicated because obviously the job of a trailer is to sell a movie i and guess you could technically call trailers have resorted to just showing you the movie and yeah. sell the movie. Yeah. yeah, which is frustrating. The art the art of a great trailer is definitely lost, pretty lost these days, I think. Yeah. Without saying too much, you could technically say Cabin in the Woods is a misleading trailer. I never even saw the trailer for that. I saw the trailer, and um, yeah. You yeah. could, but it, it's for a purpose. Yeah, absolutely. No, like the, the, the things that get set up in the trailer, even if you know that they're there... I think it's absolutely better to go into that movie not knowing anything at all. Oh yeah, but, um, definitely. Yeah, but seeing the trailer, you certainly like. Okay, so those people are going to be making these things happen, and you know, it's going to be some. Well, I don't know. Yeah, but it's certainly not as it, the movie isn't as it seems from the trailer. So. No. All right, I think that wraps it up for this week's episode. Uh, you can uh, find my brother on Twitter. At Mr. John, he uh, brought us our wonderful theme song and artwork for the podcast. You can find me on Twitter at John D one seven zero three. You got uh, Willie, and he's at Hemo mm-hmm. and then at Nick Blauvelt. Um, the podcast network 
our soon our lofty dreams of having a network the twitter account is midwest podnet um please email us your feedback and food for thought questions and whatnot to feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com and uh apologies to tim no kyle xy this week not yet not yet the shout out is now going straight to tim <laughs> yeah oh and tim if you hear this, keep the faith, man. Stick with Arrow for a little bit longer. <laughs> and I appreciate your text. Yeah, I'm 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 uh, anticipating an Arrow wrap up from you at some point. From me? Yeah. I guess it's just- yeah. <laughs> All right, go watch a movie.